Hello, my friends. A new speech from Justin Trudeau is pretty creepy. Is he threatening to lock us down again if we don't take another booster? I think that's what he's saying. I'll play the clip for you. And then some creepy news out of the Veterans Affairs Department. Veterans being told they should just commit suicide if they have PTSD. You won't believe it, but I'll interview someone who knows. That's today's show. But before I get to it, let me invite you to become a subscriber to Rebel News Plus. That's the video version of this podcast. It's just eight bucks a month. You get my show every weeknight. Plus, we have four weekly shows. That's 36 episodes a month. Just for eight bucks, it's the video version. We put a lot of effort into the video side of things, by the way. Just go to rebelnewsplus.com and click subscribe. All right, here's today's show. Tonight, is Trudeau going to put us back in some sort of lockdown? I'll show you a recent comment he made. It's September 6th, and this is the Ezra Levant Show. Shame on you, you censorious thug. How is your summer? I guess it's still summer technically, but Labor Day always feels like the de facto end of it for me. The kids go back to school. It starts to feel chilly out. For many Canadians, it was the first summer that was close to normal in three years. Maybe it was even close enough to normal that just for a moment we could forget how abusive it all has been. How they literally banned us from parks and gyms and going outside, but also from having anyone over. Banned churches, but let Walmart and the liquor store stay open. And if you dare to object, oh my God, well, you better be careful. You'd be stomped on by riot police, whether you were a restaurateur or a peaceful protester in your nation's capital, or even a Christian pastor. That was all just a few months ago. The trucker convoy was just seven months ago. And by the way, it's not all gone. Unvaccinated people still cannot come into Canada from foreign countries, even though vaccines are now universally acknowledged as simply not stopping you from getting an illness. That used to be the definition of a vaccine, but they destroyed the meaning of that word to keep their propaganda. You know, every day, another example of what's laughably called sudden adult death syndrome, there's no such thing. There's no such thing as healthy athletes in their teens and 20s just suddenly dying of heart attacks in the playing field. That was never a thing before. The media has, you know, shut that up. The health experts have hushed that up. Even if you could speak the truth, what could you do about it? Canada, the U.S., all the Western countries have indemnified the vaccine companies. You cannot sue them. You're not allowed to sue them. What a laugh to see Joe Biden exclaim that he socked it to big pharma. Oh, he sure did. We beat pharma this year. We beat pharma this year. And it mattered. We're going to change people's lives. What does that even mean? Biden forced countless citizens to be jabbed on pain of being fired. He demonized the rest. He banned Americans from suing for vaccine injuries, and he's declaring victory over Big Pharma. You are Big Pharma, Biden. So we're still in the crisis, even if we're allowed to go to the restaurant now and we're not forced to wear a mask in stores now. It's still a crisis. 
You can't travel outside the country without a two-week quarantine upon your return if you're not jabbed. Again, that doesn't matter if you're healthy or not. A fully jabbed person who returns to Canada with COVID does not have to quarantine. A non-jabbed person who is perfectly healthy must quarantine for two weeks. There's no sense to that other than vengeance. But when it's a lovely Canadian summer and you can meet friends again, there are music, concerts, and barbecues, and life opens up again, and you can forget the two years they stole from us, except, I don't know, except maybe we're not done yet. Maybe they want to go back into it again. I mean, look at this weirdness here. This is a comment by Trudeau just the other day. This is clipped from CTV. Take a look at this. The things to remember is COVID's not done with us yet. We might want to be done with it, but it's still around. And yes, we have a lot more tools, a lot more understanding, a lot more knowledge on how to keep ourselves and our loved ones safe that have allowed us to get back to regular life in a lot of ways for a whole bunch of people. But we also know that as winter comes and as people get pushed back indoors, there is a real risk of another serious wave of COVID. One of the best things we can do to prevent that wave, prevent the pressure on our healthcare system, prevent provinces from having to take decisions around restrictions and mandates, is to ensure that everyone is up to date in their vaccinations. The recommendation is, you know, you should uh, be up to date in your vaccinations if you have, a, have had a dose within six months. Everyone who has been a while since their vaccination, this vaccination, should look at the fact that we have new vaccines coming out this month that are tailored against Omicron, that will provide better protection, and everyone should get out and get vaccinated. If we are able to hit that 80, 85, 90% of Canadians up to date in their vaccinations, we'll have a much better winter with much less need for the kinds of restrictions and rules that were so problematic for everyone over the past years. But every step of the way, government's responsibilities is to keep people safe, to prevent our healthcare systems from getting overwhelmed. And that's where individuals choosing to make sure they're up to date in their vaccinations with these new vaccines is going to help us all. Twice there he said, you need to get vaxxed to protect the healthcare system. The system, what's the system? Rules, offices, bureaucrats, politicians, taxes. That's a system. The system was built to keep us healthy. We are the purpose of the system. The system is meant to serve us. No, not anymore. Our purpose is now to serve the system itself. The system is the purpose. We must save the system. We are the expendable cost. And if 80 or 85 or 90 percent of Canadians don't get their third or is it fourth or is it the fifth shot now, he didn't actually say, did he? He just said up to date, which constantly grows. Well, then sorry, but you're making him hurt you again. It's your fault for making him hurt you again. Your fault about these problematic restrictions and mandates. That's the word he used. Now he admits they're problematic. Will he tell us what the problem is, pray tell? He says government's responsibility is to keep us safe. I don't think anyone can say the government kept us safe, certainly not in government-run long-term care homes, certainly not in government-run schools or other institutions, suicide, depression, general lack of health, lack of exercise, kids failing and falling behind because of no school, economic disaster, jobs lost. The government did not keep us safe. It put us into harm. But I reject the government's primary function is to keep us safe. That's not the purpose of government. Show me that in the Constitution. The government's purpose is to keep us free. It's to keep its hands off us. 
How is banning weddings and funerals keeping us safe? Don't tell me Trudeau was keeping us safe when Trudeau himself ignores his rules, the quarantines, except when he wanted to avoid journalists for two weeks, so he quarantined. When he flew as he wanted to, mask on, mask off, whenever he wanted to. Mask off for a photo op with the 96-year-old queen. Mask on for other photos op. Photo ops, got it. Now he said uh, we need jabs every six months. That's what he said. But his uh, hand-picked appointees, the National Advisory Committee on Immunization, they said the Canadians should get a jab every 90 days, four times a year. What? What? And that fool, Jean-Yves Duclos, Trudeau's health minister, not a doctor or a nurse himself, who says vaccines are like cell phone batteries, you see, Got to keep them boosted. That's the medical explanation. <laughs> keep it charged. Various vaccine protection is like a phone battery. It needs to be recharged from time to time. Recharging our protection after six months is important. Otherwise, we are left without the power to protect ourselves and our loved ones. Getting everyone caught up with a vaccination is a top priority. This is not only for true for COVID-19 vaccinations, but also for routine vaccinations for all children and adults. Merci. Thank you. Miigwech. Oh, that's a science guy. I mean, remember not long ago, um, Trudeau bought 400 million doses of the vaccine. 400 million. That's 10 for every man, woman, child, and baby. The contract is a secret. How much did Trudeau pay? What were the special promises Trudeau made? Obviously, banning people for suing for vaccine injuries was a big one. Did Trudeau make other promises to Pfizer? Did he say he would censor any critics? Did he say he would punish any premiers who dissented? I don't know. What, what were the other promises? Why can't we see them? So he's got to get 400 million doses into arms, people. I mean, huh, what about the investors? They're counting on it. Here's a story from the Times of London today. <clears throat> Moderna aims to give investors extra boost with Six-in-one super jab. So glad the investors are getting a boost. That's honest journalism, by the way. So what's going to come? Is Trudeau saying when he says 80, 85, 90% of you had better take this or I'm going to do problematic things to you again? Did, did he mean that? Do you think he means that? He's meant everything he's threatened so far. The thugs at Western University obey Trudeau. They waited until their students had signed up, paid their tuition, made their travel plans, rented apartments, and then, surprise, they said, mandatory boosters or you're out. As Trudeau would say, why did you make me hurt you? I told you not to make me hurt you. Well, the Democracy Fund is suing them, got an emergency injunction application underway. Hopefully those thugs will be stopped. But maybe now we know why Trudeau and his incompetent transport minister, Omar Gabbard, just won't give up that ArriveCan app, no matter what. That's the invasive app that makes you tell the government your private health info and then that shares that with foreign organizations like the UN's World Health Organization. According to the app's own privacy policy, they share it with foreign sources. Maybe it's because Trudeau isn't being the last leader in the world to give up authoritarianism. Maybe it's because Trudeau is being the first leader in the world outside of communist China who's getting ready for the next wave of lockdowns. Oh, no, he's not last. He's first. What do you think he's going to do to us next? 
Stay with us for more. Welcome back. You know, here's a headline that actually appeared in the CBC a few years ago, but I see it making the rounds again today. It's an atrocious story. Um, a new study says assisted suicide can save us tens, maybe hundreds of millions of dollars. That's so exciting to the CBC. And they actually quote uh, a, a doctor whose motto used to be do no harm. That's the Hippocratic Oath a doctor boasting that assisted suicide actually costs very little. Uh, it's not going to be a burden at all on the healthcare system, and in fact will save a mountain of money. The CBC says this with glee. It's an inversion of the purpose of the healthcare system. It's to serve people, not have people die to preserve the system, although that's language we hear more and more. I played you this clip from Justin Trudeau a moment ago. Here's Trudeau saying that you need to get jabbed, not to save yourself, not for your own health, but to save the system, by which he means a political structure, bureaucrats. Uh, what's meant to serve you, you must serve. Here's that clip again. The things to remember is COVID's not done with us yet. We might want to be done with it. But it's still around. And yes, we have a lot more tools, a lot more understanding, a lot more knowledge on how to keep ourselves and our loved ones safe that have allowed us to get back to regular life in a lot of ways for a whole bunch of people. But we also know that as winter comes and as people get pushed back indoors, there is a real risk of another serious wave of COVID. One of the best things we can do to prevent that wave, prevent the pressure on our healthcare system, prevent provinces from having to take decisions around restrictions and mandates, is to ensure that everyone is up to date in their vaccinations. The recommendation is, you know, you should uh, be up to date in your vaccinations if you have, a, have had a dose within six months. Everyone who has been a while since their vaccination, this vaccination, should look at the fact that we have new vaccines coming out this month that are tailored against Omicron that will provide better protection and everyone should get out and get vaccinated. If we are able to hit that 80, 85, 90% of Canadians up to date in their vaccinations, we'll have a much better winter with much less need for the kinds of restrictions and rules that were so problematic for everyone over the past years. But every step of the way, government's responsibility is to keep people safe, to prevent our healthcare systems from getting overwhelmed. And that's where individuals choosing to make sure they're up to date in their vaccinations with these new vaccines is going to help us all. I shouldn't pick just on Justin Trudeau. Jason Kenney, who for years styled himself as the most pro-freedom MP and certainly one of the most pro-life MPs, he was using the same language too when he said that he would bring back vaccine mandates and lockdowns again if he had to, to save the system. Here's Jason Kenney, allegedly a pro-life MP. Indoor gatherings last Thanksgiving sparked the second wave of COVID, with cases and hospitalizations surging after millions of Albertans celebrated in close contact with loved ones. We simply cannot afford a repeat scenario not with this dangerous Delta variant that is still circulating 
and with our, our hospitals under such severe pressure. So uh, all other rules remain the same, and if they're followed, we'll avoid the scenario that played out last fall. So my message is simple. Please follow the rules that are in place. To be blunt, no indoor social gatherings are permitted outside of a household for people who are unvaccinated. It's so weird, and the reason I use the phrase pro-life is because of our next guest. Her name is Nicole Scheidel. She's the head of Physicians for Life, the executive director, and she has a terrifying story from the Department of National Defense, actually from the Minister of Veterans Affairs, that soldiers are being coaxed and encouraged to choose assisted suicide, doctor-assisted suicide, instead of costly medical treatments. It's euthanasia by another name. Joining us now is Nicole Scheidel, who is in Ottawa. Nice to meet you. Thanks for joining us today. Uh, tell me about the Veterans Affairs Department and their approach to veterans, typically who have post-traumatic stress disorder or other you know, lingering mental or psychological or physical health problems, are they actually pushing them to choose assisted suicide? Well, that's the story that came out recently in the news that a soldier who, or a veteran who was seeking help for his PTSD was advised and encouraged. And this was not his asking. He told the service agent to stop promoting assisted suicide to him, but apparently she went on several times to encourage him to take that route instead of trying to get help for his PTSD. And it did set him back several months in his recovery. I mean, that's gotta be quite demoralizing. You want help, you're trying to get better. And here you have a government agent who's supposed to be your helper saying, yeah, you know what? Maybe you should pack it in and I'm happy to help. I That, that acronym, I'm seeing it more and more, M-A-I-D, MADE which stands for, if I'm not mistaken, medically assist, medical assistance in dying. It's such a gross euphemism. They just can't say euthanasia. They can't say doctors. They're trying to make it meaningless or harmless, made medical assistance in dying. Either way, it hides the true nature of what they're doing. Here's a government bureaucrat saying to a problem, looking at a person as a problem, looking at a patient as a problem to be solved, you've got to protect the government by killing yourself. We don't have to protect you. You have to protect us. It's a, it's a moral inversion. Well, it's certainly a, a huge problem. And one of the things that you see uh, originally when this was suggested into the healthcare system was that it would be for people right at the end of their lives to kind of ease them over the edge. But now with the expansion of euthanasia, we're seeing people who are healthy, who are not dying, opting for it because of poverty, because of disability, because they're lonely, because they don't have the supports they need. And in this case, they have, uh, this soldier had a mental health issue, a concussion and a uh, PTSD that he was trying to recover from. And he was told, well, it's a little too complicated or too expensive. It's better for you, uh, cheaper, easier, less messy. She even said that um, for you to seek assisted suicide. It's outrageous. Now, you don't speak just as someone who's motivated ideologically. You are from a military family. I understand your husband is a veteran and you have uh, kids who are, in fact, serving in the Canadian forces. Is that true? Yes, that's true. And I actually remember uh, 
uh, when my husband was deployed, he had soldiers who came back from their deployments who were suicidal. It was a struggle to get help for them. One of those soldiers, unfortunately, did commit suicide. I had to go to the funeral to represent him. It was heartbreaking, absolutely heartbreaking. These men and women put their lives on the line for this country, and they certainly deserve better than being told, uh, you're too expensive to take care of. It's better for you to seek assisted suicide. Unbelievable. You know, um, we have all these suicide hotlines, kids help phone, you know, various suicide hotlines. I mean, imagine calling for help. And actually, they're not suicide prevention lines. They're suicide encouragement lines. They've tricked you. They've tricked you into thinking that you will get some help from them. But no, no, no. Uh, that would cost too much, and that's inconvenient. And Justin Trudeau has better things to spend his hundreds of billions of dollars on, not you. I mean, it reminds me of that clip from when Trudeau met a veteran, and he said, look, <laughs> you're just asking for more than we can give. Remember this clip from Edmonton? Take a look. Back in August, 20, uh, August 24th, 2015, you made the promise, and I'll quote it here, no veteran will be forced to fight their own government for the support and compensation they have earned. Um, yet you are still currently in a legal battle with veterans regarding equal support and compensation to their peers. You have ISIL or ISIS members coming into a reintegration program. You did a backdoor deal with Omar Qadar with not even stepping into the courtroom. Because honestly, Mr. Prime Minister, I was prepared to be injured in the line of duty when I, went to, when I joined the military. Nobody forced me to join the military. I was prepared to be killed in action. What I wasn't prepared for, Mr. Prime Minister, is Canada had, turning its back on me. On a couple of elements you brought up, first of all, uh, why are we still uh, fighting against certain uh, veterans groups in court? Uh, because uh, they are asking for more than we are able to give right now. Um, they are asking for more than we... Well, no. Hang on. You're asking... He, I mean, to go from saying, I will not give you benefits, to I will proactively tell you to kill yourself, is so gross that's... It's one thing not to help, but to say, you know the help I'll give you? I'll help you kill yourself. You went to fight for Canada or for what, whatever reason they went to fight for. You did that selflessly. You put yourself at risk, and now you're inconvenient. And so, look, can you just save us all some money? The CBC already made the case. You're going to save us a lot of money, sir. Why don't you at least do something good in life and kill yourself? That's the message they're being told by Veterans Affairs. Do you know how widespread this is? It's not clear how widespread it is, but certainly this service agent told this veteran that she'd already helped someone else seek assisted helped. suicide. Helped someone with that word, yeah. Well, it's interesting because it's not even legal yet for mental illness. And so she somehow was able to help this veteran seek assisted suicide. So you kind of wonder what's going on in that department. Now, have you, I understand you've got a petition and you have about 2,000 signatures on it asking the minister to pass a regulation stopping this kind of coaching or grooming or uh, 
or predatory behavior. If someone is suicidal, they're obviously in a delicate state. And to send a, quote, medical professional in to finish them off, who's going to advocate for them? They're, it, they, they really are in a, a power imbalance. That's why they're asking for help. That's the definition of asking for help. And yeah, the person you ask for help, go ahead. Certainly people who are in that position are very vulnerable and they need people who are willing to care for them and help them not to help them deal with the suffering, not end the sufferer by killing them. Now, have you had any help on the other side of the aisle? We know that Justin Trudeau does not have any respect or help for our veterans. He says they're just asking for more than he can give. He can give to anyone else in the world, but not veterans. How about the Conservative Party of Canada? In the past, they've held themselves out as being champions of veterans. Their former leader, Aaron O'Toole, even was a veteran. Have you had any luck with the Conservative Party on this? Yes, certainly um, a member of Parliament, Cooper, who is on the committee right now that's looking at the euthanasia regime in Canada has been very helpful, very supportive in trying to uh, reach out and bring these issues to the committee. The committee has been very um, thinly organized. So there's not a lot of uh, experts that they're listening to. They have very scaled down hearings. In fact, they canceled their last hearing just before summer break. So they are really not doing the in-depth kind of look that they should be looking at these very challenging issues. Um, we also are going to be speaking to the shadow minister for veterans affairs shortly, which is great. Um, initially, we were not able to get a meeting with him, but now we are. And so we really look forward to having that and discussion that? with him. What's his or her name? Frank Capato, Caputo. Okay. All right. I'm glad to hear that because I understand they were avoiding you before and I, that rang some alarm bells for me. Well, I think there was a little bit of miscommunication to be uh, fair to them. Mm -hmm. And um, they absolutely reached out immediately after it kind of got came out on Twitter that they had uh, not wanted to speak with us, mm -hmm. and we are now going to be able to speak with them uh, tomorrow. Well, I look forward to hearing the results of that. Well, listen, I uh, this is so gross, and this is this is as predictable as the night following the day, that when you put the government in charge of anything, uh, preserving their own empire, preserving their own system, will by necessity come ahead of putting the patient first. We see this in the school system. Preserving the system, the bureaucracy is more important than educating a child. And in the health system, preserving the system is more important than saving a life. So much so that they're now literally offering to kill people. It's a gross story. It's nice to meet you, Nicole. I hope you'll keep us posted on this. And hopefully we can get that regulation in place to stop veteran affairs from counseling people to commit suicide. I've never heard anything so upside down in my life. So thanks for taking the time. You're welcome. All right, there you have it. Nicole Scheidel is the executive director of Physicians for Life. Their website is physiciansforlife.ca. Stay with us more ahead. Welcome back your letters. The first one refers to Sheila's monologue on the feds going too far. Someone called it a look on the bright side says, went too far is a gross understatement, but it's nice to see most people are paying attention at least. 
I'm not sure if most people are paying attention. A lot of people are just, you know, they don't follow the news. They just live their daily lives. And I think we have to help awaken them. Regento, if I'm saying that right, says, democracy dies without Ezra. Well, I think uh, I appreciate the compliment. I, um, I'm doing my show. I'm, I'm, I was away too long. I had some surgery a few weeks ago. I do miss a couple of days a week, but I am here at least three days a week. And you know what I'm doing? At 12 noon Eastern time, 10 a.m. Mountain time, I'm doing, uh, when I'm in town, my uh, live stream again, 30, 40 minutes. So if you, if you are missing me, and not everyone does, believe me, but if you want more Ezra content in your life, um, tune into our YouTube and Rumble channels, uh, also on Getter and Odyssey, 12 noon Eastern, 10 a.m. Mountain Time, most weekdays, and you'll get an extra live do dose. Uh, so that's what I did today. Doug Michael says, can we get another Amber Alert for the unknown deaths piling up? Isn't that the truth? You know, in the early days of the pandemic, actually, the reporting really didn't change any death that could be at all linked to COVID was called a COVID death. I think the, the test was that they tested positive for COVID within 30 days of dying. Even if they didn't die from COVID, that one famous case of someone falling off a ladder and that death being attributed to COVID. So they would add anything and everything to get those COVID numbers up. But they've taken the exact opposite approach for people who were vaccine injured. Any excuse not to blame it on the vaccine it's almost like politics has taken over for science. That's our show for today. Until tomorrow, on behalf of all of us here at Rebel World Headquarters, to you at home, good night. And keep fighting for freedom. Hey everyone, William Jess here with Rebel News. We know that university year is starting extremely shortly, both here in Canada and in the United States. Universities are places where you know future politicians go to educate themselves, future lawyers go to educate themselves, where young people go to learn new things about life to get ready for a future career. But what happens when every right-wing or contrarian viewpoint gets censored? doesn't look good for the future of our society where every conservative point of view is cancelled because of the leftist cancel culture it's really not good for the future of a society so recently the college fix a conservative newspaper that is run by students created a cancel culture database which attempts to document and pinpoint every cancel culture incident that occurred in american college campuses and canadian college campuses to expose the leftist cancel culture that is happening in universities nowadays so today i have with me jennifer cabani who is the editor in chief of the college face to talk to me more about uh, their cancel culture database and talk to me more about cancel culture generally speaking in universities so jennifer could you just talk to us a little bit more about uh, what you and your um students that work at the college fix worked on uh, which was the cancel culture database yes yeah, so we wanted to chronicle all the memory holding cancellations shutdowns shout downs you know everything that had been silenced or censored uh, over really the last decade we wanted to create like a definitive database that tracks and monitors and quantifies this cancel culture phenomenon in higher education both in america and we have plenty of canadian universities in the, in the database as well yeah no, definitely what, what would you say was one of the most major incident that you saw uh, through your years at, uh, as the editor. 
You know, it really what always strikes me as incredible is when they strip names, strip mascots, you know, suspend mm-hmm. professors, you know, won't allow students to, to meet or have funding. It's just these it's like death by a thousand cuts. You know, you have one incident, one headline, and it kind of like in one ear and out the other. But when you, when you take a look at it as a whole, what you see is an incredibly pressing and problematic system in higher education where the, the victims have actually become the oppressors. Um, And they're, they're setting the narrative and they're saying what's allowed and what's not allowed. Um, And in the meantime, they're rewriting history, changing our traditions, changing our cultures. Um, and really erasing so much of, of what we were founded upon, um, both in America and in Canada. Yeah, basically just stripping our, our, our cultures of Western values that are the basic foundations of, of our society. Um, so, yeah, so why, why did you think it was so important for you to, 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 to start uh, the database? And how is it working? If, if one goes on your website, yeah. how, how does it work, basically? So essentially, we have, when you load up the homepage on thecollegefix.com, in the upper right-hand corner, you'll see our cancel culture database, and you click on that, and then you can search the entire database. Now, when we launched... In September of 2021, we had a a little Mm -hmm. over 1,200 entries. Um, Now we're up to 1,575 entries. So we've added over 250 entries uh, over the last school year. You can search the database by topic, whether it's a building name Mm. or a mascot, or you can Mm. search by date. You can search by school. If you enter in a, a school name, you can search that way. Again, we... When you go through life and you just see a headline, well, the university canceled this mascot, oh, well, the university Mm -hmm. renamed this building, you kind of can easily forget because it's just so much. And that's the point of the database. We won't forget. We are going to remember and chronicle and make sure that this Orwellian um, effort Mm -hmm. is, is tracked. And we'll, we'll be, you know, the original truth tellers. Uh, So you you don't have to come to us to find what things Mm -hmm. used to be like on campus. (laughs) Yeah, and as you said, a thousand five hundred entries in the past four. Is that four so, years? So we launched in September with twelve, like a little over twelve hundred entries, and now okay. currently, as of today, we have one thousand five hundred and seventy-five entries. So every entry represents mm-hmm. either a successful cancellation or an attempted cancellation, because we didn't want to just chron- chronicle all the successful cancellations. We also wanted to paint a picture of how broad this problem Mm -hmm. is by listing the attempted cancellations. And you could actually search our database that way too. If you only Mm want to see things that were canceled, you can search that way. If you want to see things that were protested, you could search that way, or you can just, you know, search the entire database as a whole. Yeah. So just, it's fair to say that in 2022 alone, there were 300 cancel culture incidents. Yeah, it's fair to say there was about that many, um, you know, there would be a situation where I might realize we missed one, you know, from back in the day. So I yeah. added it in. But, but but by and large, we were adding two, sometimes three a week for the whole school year. It's it's that, never that, ending. And that was the point of the database It's like, how are we going to mm-hmm. track this craziness? Somebody's got to make a list, you know, so that's what we did. That's unbelievable. And, you know, in college campuses, that's where you form our next leaders. That's where our next scientists, our next lawyers are going to go out to study, our next politicians. What do you think the, the impact of this is going to be? How, how big of an impact will this have on our future society? Well, one, one thing I, I will mention, because yeah, I know that, that you're in Canada, you know, we have an entry mm-hmm. about University Laval. And they suspended a professor, a professor provost. He was an immunization and microbiology professor. They suspended it for two months because all he did was question the efficacy 
of vaccines for children. And for that, they suspended him for two months. So what kind of real world implication does this have? Well, if we can't have the debate on the impact of vaccines on our children and everybody goes and gets their children vaccinated. And then 10 years down the, ro the road, we realize, you know what, we should have asked some tougher questions because we're seeing, you know, some, some ramifications from, from silencing dissent or even just asking scientific questions, the, the, the scientific method of inquiry that's been established for, for century, millennia. Um, lives are on the line, literal lives mm -hmm. are on the line. So, I mean, at the end of the day, this is serious stuff. Well, 100%, especially since we know that uh, CDC went back on their words in terms of vaccine, the efficacy of vaccine mandates in the... Exactly. Uh, we're seeing them, you know, all the people that were questioning uh, professors, many, many science professors in America and Canada saying, hey, wait a minute, this is not mm -hmm. settled science and we need to ask the tough questions and look at the data. And they were silenced and they were shut down. And in many cases, especially mm -hmm. in Canada, they were suspended. We had articles taken down. So now, you know, they're being vindicated, but it's too little too late. I mean, you know, some of the damage has already been done. So um, I think there's a Bill 32 that was introduced in Canada where they're trying to say, hey, look, professors need this academic freedom uh, to say and question and do what they do best. And I really hope that that gets some traction, uh, but I'm not holding my breath. And knowing that, you know, conservatives on college campuses get ostracized by other students, they get insulted by other students. When I was at the University of Ottawa, I was called a pig mm -hmm. for saying that men and women are different, that men and women do not necessarily have the same responsibilities in life. Why should conservative students continue to be motivated to fight this leftist cancel culture? You know, because they're the cool kids now. I mean, they're the... They're the uh, the uh, counterculture. You know, back when I was growing up, you know, if you were a punk rock anarchist, I mean, those were like those are the cool. Now it's like if you're a conservative, you're edgy. You know, you're the ones that are like questioning authority and that sort of thing. So, hey, I say join the fun and be a young kid who gets to question government and question authority and demand their rights to free speech. So it's actually I mean, look, it's no fun being called horrible names and ad hominem attacks just show the weakness of the left's argument. Argument. However, um, you can have a lot of fun if you're an active conservative, center-right, libertarian, what have you, classical, liberal. These are all people who have found common ground on some really important issues such as free speech and academic freedom. Um, and I say, you know, fight for your rights, because if you don't fight now, over time, they'll just keep taking away more and more and more. And you've definitely seen that in Canada. 100%. How do you think conservatives on college campuses or classical liberals on college campuses can continue to fight against this type of leftist indoctrination, leftist propaganda and censorship? Well, I think they can join forces. I mean, there's student groups. Get involved. There's strength in numbers. There's camaraderie to be found in student groups. So find those like-minded student groups on campus. Join up and, and take part and take action. I mean, there's one thing to be said if a professor assigns an essay and you know, you know what they're looking for and you kind of you know play along. But you still have an option um, to hear from guest speakers, to engage in debate with like-minded peers, and to take a stand when necessary on things that are going to affect your life and liberty. Um, that's what being a young college student's all about, right? And so uh, don't be afraid to be bold and do what it takes to retain and fight for liberty. 100%. And, you know, the university year is starting extremely shortly, so it'll, it'll definitely be, it'll be interesting to see how everything turns out. Thanks for joining me today, uh, Jennifer. Where, where can people find uh, find your work? So we're at thecollegefix.com. We're also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So look us up. There's never a dull moment. I promise you that much. Great. Thank you, Jennifer. My pleasure.